Nation. Santanu. Hi, everyone, and this is Tony. Hi, this is Shutong. So, we are gathered here today <laughs> <laughs> to discuss whatever is on our heads. Yeah. Well, I actually wanted to start by talking about politics. Today sure. is what, February 25th. <laughs> let's start light. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just, let's just uh, ease our way into this, shall we? <laughs> no, today is. Um, uh, today, I think there's going to be a, a debate uh, in South Carolina. Wow. We just did Nevada like two days ago. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, so I just, and it's not like I want to get super into politics, but more so just from the Asian American uh, side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing that Andrew Yang recently dropped out. Yep. Right. And, uh, and now he's... Um, now, now he's a commentator on CNN, <laughs> but Tulsi Gabbard is still in. Do you? I mean, is she? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. In fact, she was trying to court Andrew Yang's uh, supporters oh. by saying, "Like, I will take on the mantle of universal basic income <laughs> <laughs> and the people of color mantle." <laughs> <laughs> Someone said, "That's really nice, but you know, you're like way behind in the polls." <laughs> you know, so, um, but. But what do you guys think about Andrew Yang dropping out? Should he have, or should he have kept fighting? I don't know. What do you think, Shutong? I mean, I'm really sad. Yeah. I think a lot of us are really sad because yeah. um, it was, at least you know, in my memory, the first time that I saw someone who looks like me, mm-hmm. um, mm. so successful, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in terms of his notoriety, um, his policies, and just that he was in the race still. Um, he was the, I think he was the only person of color left, right? Right. Um, by the time he dropped out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was definitely sad to see him go. What about you guys? I, I don't think I cared one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because I wanted to support him as an Asian person, right? right? But I felt like a lot of the policies I heard from him were more economic than it Mm -hmm. was social. And I thought that his economic policies were brilliant and he Mm -hmm. backed it up. But, you know, I I don't know if I saw a full-fledged campaign. Sure. Mm -hmm. And maybe if he had more time, uh, it would have gotten there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, his response to that would be like, he, he would argue that he is doing the social thing and he's doing it through economics. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you want people to, to reduce their, you know, hatred for one another, take the economic boot off their throat first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's legit. I mean, I think everyone needs a good, strong economic plan, right? Mm-hmm. But I think in the day of identity politics... And well, I want to talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't know if he stood up to the muster. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and Shutong, you know, what I'm hearing from you, and this is what I feel as well, is that he created a movement. Yeah. 
and it was it was more than just a campaign right it was like he was bringing ideas out that no politicians dared touch right. what like what universal basic income yeah mm. nobody would touch this nobody would and he even said nobody used the word fourth industrial revolution mm-hmm. no politician did until he did yeah, yeah. and that's uh, that's the sort of amazing and he is this total washington outsider and who basically you know was really listening to what the working class of america was saying not to uh conservative and liberal elites in politics yeah you know and um, right. and so so just the fact that he was talking about that he was talking about automation mm-hmm. and robotics and ai replacing jobs and changing reality mm-hmm. as we know it mm-hmm. nobody was talking about that and everybody sees it around them you mm-hmm. go into your grocery stores your fast food places you see you know now kiosks and, mm-hmm. right. and it's it's a very real part of our society it's not like some futuristic you know you know sci-fi thing it's happening right now and so. ironically enough i agree with you he was much more based in like the reality of today and tomorrow than some of these other candidates and i wonder if it's like an age thing because so many mm-hmm. of them are like 70 something mm-hmm. so when yeah. he's talking about automation i'm wondering if they're just like when's the last time i touched a computer <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and and he he even he even talked about that. He's like, look at what happened when Mark Zuckerberg was brought to mm. you know to the Senate hearings. Oh my God, the, they had the questionings. Yeah, were he's God like, awful. you can just tell by by the questions that you know these politicians don't know anything about technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was also sad to see him go because. Yeah. Um, uh, because he had he had this perspective and this voice and this direction uh, of his focus that nobody touched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I know you're a um, Yang Gang, Yang Ganger. Gang Yang Gang. Yeah. <laughs> Yang Gang Banger. I know you supported him, but I'm wondering if you knew other Asian Americans who supported him. Yeah, uh, I did, and. Uh, and there were, there were folks. The thing is, it was weird because I could tell that their support was more based on identity politics. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, but is yeah, that that's part of it. But I'm loving his idea. I even started a whole blog post, like a, a, an entire blog, uh, a couple years ago about like, here is the integration of. AI and robotics into our society real time. I'm mm-hmm. going to start reporting on, look, there is now this uh, this robotic security guard that has just been released. E- you know, like, I was super into that, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that one person was actually addressing this real thing that's happening, I mean, to me, that, to me, that mattered more than the fact that he was Asian American. Mm. Because he was interested in the same things I was interested in. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's the reason why I asked is because, like, I knew so many Asian Americans who were like, yes, he looks like me, so right. I'm going to support him, but right. then had no opinion whatsoever on any of his policies or his talking points. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's transition to that. What, mm-hmm. what do y'all think about identity politics? Yeah, mm. what do you think? Um, I, you mean just like identity representation all around or? Well, you know, just the idea of when we have a discussion about a certain topic, that topic 
uh, gets the, f I guess the the opinion you might have on that topic might also be swayed by identity. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to separate the two, right? Right. I think it's hard to separate your values from your identity. Um, and so I think that I know for me, um, a lot of my opinions and values are tied to the fact that I'm an Asian American mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. woman because a lot of the challenges that I face are because I'm an Asian American woman. Yeah. Um, and so I think the, the two are pretty closely tied together. And you think, you, you know, we're, we live in a, um, a digital social media based mm -hmm. age now. So there's no excuse really to not be informed in, uh, around the identities that you hold. Right. And I think that that's a beautiful thing in a way, right? Because we all have more of a critical consciousness of who we are as we move through the world. Mm -hmm. um, but then what does it look like when identity politics clash, right? Mm -hmm. um, in, in the media or in real life or when we're talking about social justice movements. Right. Um, and I think that's what your questions may be getting to. For me, I've been doing identity-based politic and social justice work for a good 10 years. And, mm -hmm. you know, on a personal level, I'm at that place where um, sometimes I do roll my eyes around identity um, politic-based discussions mm -hmm. um, because I, I know that it's not going to get anywhere, right? So, for example, um, you know, a big topic that we talk about in academia is um, are white folks um, allowed to represent create and represent um, people of color work, mm. right? So there's mm -hmm. this white woman who wrote a book about um, the migration experience of Mexicans, um, and it got a lot of awards, and mm -hmm. uh, she made a lot of money off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, there's already these books that exist written by Mexican folks, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mexican-American folks, too. And so they're just like, what gives? Why does she get, like, this advance and right. all of this press and we don't? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Eminem, rapper Eminem, mm. he, he even said, said it in one of his songs. He said something like... Uh, Let's do the math. If I were if I were black, I'd only get half of what mm. I got. So he's yeah. recognizing like his whiteness played into his success, even though he's using a mm -hmm. very black art form. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you know, there's going to be anti Eminem folks who say, if you know that now, then what are you going to do about it? Right? Mm -hmm. um, either take a step back, mm -hmm. or make sure that you use the power that you've attained, uh, resources, wealth, name, notoriety, to advance other folks of color. I think he would right. argue that he did. Yeah. And and he's been part of establishments that did. Mm. Because even the African-American community embraced Eminem. Yeah. Mm. They, they claim Ice-T said, the best rapper is a white guy. <laughs> That's yeah. how far we've come, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's, it's interesting. Do you feel like in today's society and culture that maybe identity politics is used almost to silence people? Oh, sure. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's, it's rightly so, mm -hmm. right? Because I think sometimes certain groups um, have taken too much of the limelight and they need to take a step back and you know men are often included in that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I think sometimes it's 
it gets so cumbersome and ident- yeah. so many identity politics um, are at play that it kind of breaks down community mm-hmm. um, rather than build it up. Yeah. yeah, kind of pit one against others yeah, for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, something that I, th- I thought was interesting was um, AOC, uh-huh. uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio-Cortez. She uh, she supports Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she got a lot of flack for that. Yeah. Because here's this young woman of color supporting, like in Congress, supporting an old white guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the optics were. And she got a lot of criticism for this. Yeah. See, that's where I think it's kind of like short-sighted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, perhaps the criticism is fair because you know, from a larger lens or a macro lens, like as socialist uh, as Bernie is, you know, he's still running for the Democratic ticket, and right. so it's still supporting like the Democratic system. Um, and so, in that way, I guess you can. I think it's it's valid a point but also like what else is she gonna do like Mm -hmm. to not support someone would just might be even worse right Mm -hmm. you know that so i think the criticism was why don't you support one of the candidates of Of color color or one of the female candidates Mm. i think those were the big criticisms um but i mean if you look at her policy positions yeah. And you look at Bernie's policy positions, they're very much in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. It yeah. makes sense. She was a previous Bernie supporter. Yeah. Right. So, but that stuff doesn't, see, this is what I'm talking about. That stuff, how much, it seems like the identity stuff is now weighing more because it's giving more, it's getting more attention. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder what sticks because, mm-hmm. you know, when, um, President Obama was in office. By the end of his eight years, even a lot of woke folks of color that I was working with were very anti-Obama mm-hmm. because of his immigration policies, mm-hmm. um, his drone attacks, um, and and you know he's been out of office now for four years, and that kind of critique has dissipated in a in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. you know i think Mm -hmm. the news cycle happens so rapidly so we forget what has happened and how long it's been since something happened um but i'm also thinking like these kind of like identity-based um attack or support it can be very um superficial yeah 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 I just think it's very, we live in a very interesting time where we're trying to reconcile this because, I mean, in my head, like, I'm thinking, well, I hear a lot of people complaining about it, about identity politics. Um, Yeah. But, but, and I understand, you know, but also, I, I also understand, like, just trajectory. Sometimes the pendulum is swung so far in one direction that it can't help but need to swing completely in the other direction before it reaches that middle ground again so maybe that's where we're at i don't know (laughs) yeah i think that's like i'm hopeful that that's where we're at because i do think in ways it has become too extreme i don't know how you feel shutong yeah it i think that um you know you guys have pointed out really interesting and extreme dichotomies um where it almost seems like you can do no right um Right, like everything that you support, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, hopefully it'll it'll mellow out 
a little bit, right? Like you said, something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and, and you know, I, I think when we have these conversations about it mellowing out, I hope it doesn't come off like we're just appeasing the status quo, mm-hmm. right, appeasing right. the, you know, the f- people who are kind of stuck in the middle, right? But like just last week, I did a workshop for uh, resident assistants at mm-hmm. our university. It was their d- diversity training evening. And my topic was the student of color experiences. Mm -hmm. And so many um, of those students were, uh, when I asked them, do you not engage with certain communities or certain topics because you're afraid of being canceled or you're afraid Mm -hmm. of being called out? And I think everyone raised their hands, Mm -hmm. even the students of color, Mm -hmm. but for sure the white kids in the group. Mm -hmm. And you know, they said, we care but we're only allowed to care so much before we get um, implicated somehow Mm. right Mm. um about around our whiteness and their identities and it doesn't allow us to process it even further than that and what happens on a lot of academic campuses and you just went to your alma mater Mm -hmm. we want to talk about that um is that you know, there's so much academic and heady identity politic based conversations going on in the classroom and outside of it, but there's no um, time or resources for them to process it. So mm-hmm. it's like they have to learn it, but they don't have the time to unlearn what it is that they need to unlearn. Sure. And right. So it's almost like I'm going to give you this book on how to drive, but I'm never going to let you go behind the wheel until <laughs> it's test right. time. Right. 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 And do you feel, Tony, that sometimes um, what is covered in the world of academia and higher ed is a little disconnected from what's happening in the rest of the world, rest of America? Yeah, I mean, it definitely can be. I've been to a few talks that... um, like intellectually i was like wow i'm this is eye-opening but also like how do i apply that to the world Mm -hmm. somehow um i mean i think there's always a space for that kind of like Mm -hmm. theorizing and Mm -hmm. um talking about certain things but you know as a social worker my question is always like how does this impact us Mm -hmm. right how do we take this information and move forward and i don't think that um academia as a whole is all for that yeah right right Uh, and at at least um at least it seems like academia in in a research university where the prime business is just knowledge for knowledge's sake yeah you know Mm. versus a teacher's college you know um where where it's everything you're getting is going to probably be something you use for your Mm. your position which uh which is uh, which, unfortunately, you won't find, I'm guessing, too many a- Asian-American courses in <laughs> those types of teachers, colleges, schools. You'll probably yeah. find them in research institutions. Yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of the model of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I was, I was recently at the University of Illinois, and, um, mm-hmm. and it was interesting, this conference, I was a keynote speaker uh, you know, for this thing called the South Asian American Leadership Conference is the first time they're doing it. This mm-hmm. was put put on by the Asian American Cultural Center, mm-hmm. and um, and it was uh, it was fascinating. I felt in many ways 
when I was looking at all the speakers' bios, I felt mm-hmm. so out of place. <laughs> <laughs> why? I was like, I, I was, I even said this in my speech. I was like, you know, like, why are you guys having me as a keynote? <laughs> the imposter syndrome is real. <laughs> serious, serious. I felt, and I even talked about it, like, I, I felt like I was out of place because everybody's bio that was, they were a professor of this or they, you know, like, I was like, oh my gosh, they have like all these huge academic credentials. And Mm. Like, uh, I run a kung fu school. <laughs> 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 but no, I get it. They, they, you know, they they said that, you know, that my unique background and just my energy is something that a lot of people will be able to connect to. Mm. And, and, you know, they got me because I had talked to them previously in a previous visit. And, you know, I just, I, you know, I just did me. I brought my energy and, yeah. I, and I asked them questions and we we're talking about a whole bunch of great, cool things. And so. So it was a conf- leadership conference for um, undergraduate South Asian students. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, and basically it was uh, it was a one day affair and mm-hmm. and I was tasked to be the keynote speaker and to do a workshop um, and the workshop I chose to do was on uh, representation of Asian Americans in the media and um, and yeah both both of these preparing for both of these was such an experience because um, I mean I'd done workshops before but it was really in the past a long time ago and it was <laughs> it was usually a topic I came up with a partner with and we mm. would brainstorm and do right. it you know co-present and this was all me and uh, <laughs> and um, and I chose Asian Americans in the media but that's such a that can be a broad topic sure. and so what I finally decided to do was just ask uh, ask the students a series of questions and then basically I told them I'd jot down their answers and I'd make a blog post out of it mm. <laughs> um, what were some of the questions you asked? Well, I asked them questions like, um, well, first, just just even to uh, identify. I, I started with I, identifying Asian Americans in the media, like, mm-hmm. and maybe it was early in the morning, but like, they had a few very very obvious ones. But I was like, come on, y'all, <laughs> like, how about how about this this guy who recently ran for president that recently <laughs> dropped out like, well, i was gonna ask you like <laughs> since it was south asian folks were they naming mainly like south asian celebrities uh some yeah mm-hmm. uh, y- yep uh, so of course the the so the first few that got hit were um uh, hassan minaj mm-hmm. mindy kaling of course lily singh yeah <laughs> so those are the three that 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 got right uh, out right right mm-hmm. out the gate um later on when i started when i when i did the leading to Andrew Yang thing, you know, uh, someone brought up Bobby Jindal. I was like, fair. <laughs> Louisiana governor. <laughs> yep, yep. And, uh, and then I asked, how about any Asian American sports figures? Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. And finally someone said, Jeremy Lin. It's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone name uh, Kamala Harris? Yes, yes. They, they named Kamala Harris. Mm. Yeah. But not Andrew. <laughs> no, not Andrew. <laughs> so Poor Andrew. <laughs> that, that that was sort of my icebreaker, thinking thinking that they'd just be shouting all these names at me. I was like, oh my god, I have to <laughs> prod them. Maybe it was maybe it was early in the morning. But anyway, um, uh, so then after uh, after that, I I won't go into all the questions, but some of the key ones were, you know, 
helping me identify what are some Asian American or Asian stereotypes in the media that they mm. noticed and seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they, they had some good ones. And then, uh, and then the other, the follow-up question to that was, uh, was basically playing off of the model minority thing. So, mm. you know, Asian Americans are seen as this economically successful minority group. So do these stereotypes of the media actually do us any kind of harm? Mm-hmm. And that was a good discussion, you know. They 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 said yes, you know, and they they had some pretty smart answers, like uh, like you know, just because you know, you know, in certain areas you see Asian, lots of Asian Americans, you know, there there are other areas that you know that there Black. aren't very yeah. many Asian Americans, and it makes it hard for uh, for us, you know, when we've got when we're tagged with model minority to get any sort of help or assistance of of being in that other area you know yeah so, absolutely um so uh so uh, so we went went on that then i started asking about like who uh who some of the uh asian americans in the media that they look up to and things like that um again got hassan minaj on that <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the the questions that i had a lot of fun with was that were, were toward the end where i asked them about like um, what is their take on Andrew Yang saying, you know, that Asians are good at math, that kind of thing. That, that, <laughs> mm. was, that was a good, good discussion. And then, uh, and then the other one was basically, you know, uh, talking about Apu from The Simpsons and mm, yeah. should he be canceled? You know, and that was a really good discussion. I'm <laughs> curious about that question. Like, yeah. What are the students saying nowadays about a poo? Yeah. Do they even watch The Simpsons? See, that's what I <laughs> so I, I asked them. Like, sorry, Simpsons. No, no, I, I asked them that. I was like, do y'all know what The Simpsons are? Who The Simpsons? Because that's more <laughs> my generation. I don't know. And they they all knew it. They all they mm-hmm. all knew because I think I don't know if this, this is correct or not. But The Simpsons are. St- might still be running. They are still yeah, running. Yeah, they're still running. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're still they're they're still up in front. And I think just recently, Hank Azaria said that he's no longer going to voice a poo. Correct. But they're not doing away with the character. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so there was a there was a good discussion uh, about that. Some people were very much like, "No, he's done too much harm already. Get rid of him." You know. Um. And other people were were like, "Well, it looks like they're making efforts to try to change it, and that's that they're." can be a lot of lessons and discussions based on that so what are y'all's opinion do we cancel a poo or no i don't actually know much about him so <laughs> uh, i think something new he's i mean he started off as this very stereotyped 7-eleven or, or uh, convenience store quickie mart quickie mart yes mm. uh, owner um and uh with know, the thick indian accent mm. right um I think he has eight kids. But the voice actor is not Indian. No, no. he's a white, okay. guy. a white guy. I see, I see. Yeah. yeah. And and his <laughs> his accent doesn't even sound like an Indian accent. Really? <laughs> it's very stereotypical. It, yeah. it sounds sure. like it sounds like <laughs> it's funny to say this. It sounds like a a white guy doing a white guy doing <laughs> an oh. Indian accent. Layers wow. of identity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but uh well, my my whole take on uh, on the Apu thing is I'm I'm glad uh, comedian Hari Kondabolu did that documentary, and a lot of mm. people did not like it. But yeah. I'm glad he he opened the conversation up, mm-hmm. right? Because you know? because it, it's not really just black and white. You know, I've right. heard from so many of my peers who are older who talk about. Um, 
but that's my mom. That's my uncle who runs a motel in mm-hmm. West Texas. Mm-hmm. Like their accents aren't going to go anywhere and they are 100% American. So get used to it, yeah, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, we can kind of break it down to like, was that a caricature or was that a, a true representation um, or not? But I think in terms of like, you know, the bigger picture, I think a lot of people were like, we don't want to assimilate or whitewash the Am- Asian American identity. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, Apu kind of represents that yeah. diversity. Yeah, yeah. And Hari Kandabalu himself said that I don't want Apu to go away. Yeah. He's like, I just feel, I feel like there's an opportunity to, uh, to mold him and shape him in a way that can actually open up conversations and discussion. Because, you mm-hmm. know, if you, if you do away with Apu, the Simpsons are still going to be around in syndication, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And so all of a sudden, this kind of stereotypical character just stays stereotypical right. and then he dies off right yeah. and so you never get that kind of evolution that people are really wanting right, right. Mm-hmm. and hopefully with the change in a character actor that's kind of the plan is that's yeah. where they're going to take it mm-hmm. yeah yeah it'd be interesting to see where they go with this because they know they they're under yes. now they're Scrutiny. now they're being yeah. held under the microscope yeah, yeah. especially by the south yeah. asian community mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. So I recently um, started to work closely with a lot of the Asian American culture organizations on campus. Mm. And, you know, there are different type of Asian American students than the ones that are politically engaged and in like, you know, identity based um, social justice organizations. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how representation still matters to them and how Parasite winning the Academy Awards was still such a big deal for them. Right. Um, and so for a lot of Asian Americans, representation is still the thing, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you say it out loud versus, you know, um, other communities of colors getting shot in the streets or terrorized by the police, it almost sounds like, what do we have to complain about? Yeah. Right? But for me, I always look at, like... Um, sense of belonging Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. really the issue here and how pervasive that unbelonging happens in so many different generations Mm -hmm. you think about like you can still be fifth generation japanese american and still be asked like where are you really from correct right yeah Yeah. um and just how that impacts their psychological well-being how they move through um, our society Mm -hmm. Asian American political engagement is one of the lowest um, yeah. versus any other communities. Yep. Um, and then when you break it down by gender, um, Asian American men are the least politically engaged or civically engaged. Mm-hmm. And you just have to kind of extrapolate like what is going on here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I think uh, I think those uh, that awareness is very important when when we start talking about the larger Asian American community where where are we as a community on uh, on these things and um, and I think when we when we talk about the um, the political engagement piece yeah like I don't I, I don't like oppression Olympics right yeah. mm. Com- like well they they have these such hard situations well uh, guess what we have it too we might not have it in the numbers mm-hmm. but it, it exists here so yeah. you know it's like um, I, I'm always a big big proponent of what you're talking about is the internal struggle the internal yeah. battles and and that's uh, that's 
what the focus on one of my 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 personal podcast is is basically how we deal with struggle like we all have mm-hmm. our own internal struggle like uh and asian americans included but because of the whole model minority thing we are not perceived as a group that has any struggles mm-hmm. no we've got plenty of struggles right. like to you it might not look like a struggle the you meaning the you know outside world is you know that this straight a stem student in college decided to change majors to become poli sci like that might not seem like a big deal to you mm-hmm. but she had to go through a lot of psychological warfare in her mind mm-hmm. to get to that point mm-hmm. and those are the kinds of things i'd like to highlight it's like you know we we have struggles too you know and, but you probably don't hear about them you don't know about them so let me take the charge in exposing them because yeah sure we have a lower probably lower rate of violent crime committed against us you know uh, by by whoever you know mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you know we don't have our own issues and challenges right. and that that thing you're talking about of one's personal well-being that personal well-being like if if that person is in this existential crisis i mean that can lead to some severe mental health issues oh yeah you know so um so yeah that that's uh that i think uh, that representation piece is is a big deal mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think that's why it's important for all of us doing this podcast to kind of share about our personal experiences you know yeah yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, the the final thing I wanted to um, to talk about, we've got maybe a couple minutes left here, is um, is is we'll we'll go into this very briefly, but I think we'll pick up on this too mm-hmm. in, in a future podcast. Is uh, uh, Tony, you are part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. indeedy. So, um, what? What's that all about? Because <laughs> I'm not in that community. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is that all about? Well, I like boys. Um, <laughs> no, just uh, it's it's it, well, it's an interesting thing to call it a community. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I mean. Like, what is a community? Uh, yeah, because it's very invisible to the large larger absolute population. You know, I as a 36 year old uh, gay queer identified man, I think even today I struggle calling it a community and mm-hmm. before we were even recording I was talking to Shu Tong about how like um, it's still very steeped in whiteness yes. right mm-hmm. and so yes. it's a community that comes together under this I, I oppressed identity umbrella mm-hmm. right and so the assumption then is that we all suffer from the same oppression or from the same kind of hardships Mm -hmm. right and that's what connects us Mm -hmm. but there's no positive culture to it that all that is uniform though Mm -hmm. either you know Um, and so what you find is that there's a lot of um, status quo I think yeah um, Mm. and trying to achieve status quo while being queer Mm -hmm. Um, and I know things are changing and I know a lot of folks are kind of agitating that idea but when you go, when you walk through Austin and you go to the clubs in Austin or the bars or you go to the community hangouts, it's predominantly white folks. Yeah. And as a queer person of color, um, you're more or less expected to kind of just lean into that culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so, you know, there are small, very, very small pockets of queer uh, f- folks of color doing their own thing here and mm-hmm. there. 
um, but what ends up happening is like they die out or they're mm-hmm. so uh, they're exclusive because they don't want you know um, to open themselves up to everyone mm-hmm. um, and so it's it, in that way it's an interesting experience yeah I guess I'm curious do you know within sort of the larger LGBTQ community if there are parts of it that specifically address the challenges um, or the community of color or that the community of color faces because it feels like like you said um, yeah. that's just underrepresented you know um, I'm glad we had we opened this conversation talking about like students and universities and stuff because I think where it lives right now and where it has a lot of energy is on college campuses mm-hmm. um, queer students of color are really galvanized by ethnic studies women and gender studies and and they're forming these communities but you know they're um, only on campus and once sure. they graduate we hear from a lot of our students where it's like I miss that time of my life. I don't have that. It's not readily built mm-hmm. right. um, anywhere I go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the other piece that I often hear is like, you know, when you get out of college, you really have to make a, for some of us, a, a discerning um, decision of do I stay steeped in like the Asian American community or mm-hmm. do I choose the queer community? and because sometimes those things don't overlap for right. us. Right. Right. Yeah. Where do you lean? Right now, I would have to say I lean very much in the um, queer community mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really, being queer, and you know, this is uh, for debate, like whether I self ostracize or my community ostracizes me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm always getting gaslighted about that issue, but I don't feel connected. And I do think that even in 2020, my queer identity and, you know, the the fact that I choose to present myself um, authentically, which means I can be effeminate or I can not, you know, uh, take care of other people's reactions towards me mm-hmm. means sometimes I'm not invited to things or, uh. you know, like being the assistant director for an Asian American studies uh, program, I do sometimes get a lot of like, oh, he's representing us. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Just because I think um, that's where like the queer identity comes into play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think also the fact that my partner's white has been a big issue uh, within kind of like my legitimacy in certain circles Mm. and it's you know uh, it's an academic based work that I do and Mm -hmm. so you know I I get where the criticism's coming from but there's no winning sometimes exactly you know even if I broke up with my partner it would be like yeah but you're tainted (laughs) 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 Um, that's the impression I get sometimes Mm. You know, I, I was thinking about what you were saying about, you know, self-ostracization or is it is it something that... Self-preservation, it, perhaps? It, it I, like that, <laughs> yeah. I like that word better because because it's like you're... you're I feel like you're choosing that based on how you're feeling mm. from their kind of right. f- response to you. And you're like, mm-hmm. do I still want to stay with this? Probably not. You right. know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's generational. So mm. I do see change, right? Mm-hmm. Like younger Asian American students on campus, like they they look out for me and they, they want to connect with me despite mm-hmm. um, identities that they might not be exposed to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it's 2020 and 
it's very hard pressed to find a queer identified Asian American steeped in the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a little bit of one here. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Aqua is this artist in town. Yeah. Asian American uh, gay artist. Uh, or is he, I don't know if he's gay or bi, or I can't remember. Um, he's in the LGBT community. And he had an art uh, display uh, at the Asian American Resource Center. And there was a whole, like... Um, program event where where it was basically talking about Asian American uh, or the being being queer APA yeah APIA. yeah and um, and so that was that was unique to see that on a city level that was pretty cool that and what that did is that opened my eyes like oh there actually is actually a community here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, small but it's there it's small mm-hmm. but there and here's here's uh, something else that that I think about not that I know anything about that community but I just I know about communities in general you can have the community but everyone can still be an asshole <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't want to yeah. be a part of that they're a bunch of assholes right you know not saying that that's what I ca- think that's ca- fair to say for know. any situation yeah right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like just because there are a bunch of people that are like me in identity doesn't mean like I'm, I'm gonna get along with them right right not all skin folk are kin folk correct I like that I like that so it just goes back to you know it's all about you you do you Yeah, sometimes you just have to, whether or not it goes against, you know, the grind or not. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, let's leave it at that for today, and uh, we will pick up on this next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.